Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. The Around the League podcast keeps defensive coordinators up at night. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. We're in very odd surroundings. We're in the new studio. This Feels like, and look at TD, behind the glass, actually behind the glass. Dancing. Dancing. I can't even seat. see TD right now. That's sad. This seems like a set that they uh, they reclaimed from Demolition Man. And they're like, oh, we're going to toss this out. but And then the NFL stepped in and Rog was like, wait a second. We got to redo the studio for the podcast, guys. Let's move that in here. So well, it has a post-apocalyptic type feel. It's cool. Very sci-fi, which means if there was a movie made about this podcast, TD would watch it. Well, they're not quite <laughs> done with it, and they're going to continue dead. to build it, and they got cameras in here, and sooner, a huge than, television sooner than later, people will get to watch the Around the League podcast, but not for a couple weeks. We are now spaced out like a spread offensive line. Yeah. And there's about, you know, there's a couple yards in between each one of us. It's not nearly as intimate. We're going to have to overcome this. We're sitting. We were standing for the past month or so. So, yeah, very exciting. And, of course, I, I hope you can hear it. The microphones are all better. This is just a, a better setup for professional podcasting. And that's what we are. When you remember that we are the best of 2013 iTunes and we won a damn Stitcher. And people need to remember that, that we – A Stitcher Award. A Stitcher Award. Stitcher is an app. Where is that Stitcher Award, TD? I don't know, guys. No idea. <laughs> There's a physical one. We Usually lo- when we you win an award, you have though. one. Yeah, we're, we're looking into it. Okay. Anyway, so we have a very nice show today. We're very excited uh, to be back in Studio 66, and we're going to get back into the studio – uh, in a special way, we're going to invite the fans and the listeners into the studio in a way because we're bringing back the mailbag over the last uh, couple of days. I sent some tweets out from the Around the League account asking for questions. The listeners, as they always do, came through with um, dozens and dozens of questions, so we're going to pick some of them uh, and answer them. We're also going to get into uh, 
little bit of a debate, an instant debate, if you will, uh, will to take a line from uh, NFL.com, the instant debate series they have up. The current one is the what is the most explosive offense in 2014? Is that the what? most? Who will have the most prolific offense in the league? Prolific offense in the league. So we're going to go around the horseshoe here, or the U. Seating arrangement is going to take a while to get used to. And uh, talk about who we think will have the most prolific offense in 2014. Before any of that, though, we're going to uh, check back in with TD behind the glass. You look like a man who's almost like you found your way home. You're like Tom Hanks after they rescued him off the island, and you, you're finding peace. But it's an uneasy peace. I'm excited. You know, uh, you guys are, you know, talking about the studio. It looks good. It's not a finished product yet, so no. let, let the people know. It's going to be a lot of – It is not s- a finished product yet. Not a finished product. It's not done, but What I'm would excited. you call this desk setup? A horseshoe? A V? I think it's a space-age horseshoe for, like, a horse that just made half out of computer parts. Boomerang. <laughs> That's there it. we go. We'll Boomerang. Let's do some news. Really? 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 I love that. That, of course, from Hard Knocks, the season premiere uh, on NFL.com slash ATL. You could read my Hard Knocks recap from episode one. And then Greg Rosenthal will be taking over next week and writing episode by episode. We're going to do everyone a review. You should watch it. It's the best football documentary of all time. Very, very nice work there, TD. Love me some hard knocks. Again, my NFL career started with NFL Films, and it's those those great guys. They put that show together on HBO. But uh, what's up with that rookie Smith, man, that linebacker rookie? Who's just, oh, I like, like that guy, number he's 45. He's going at him. He's like the villain. He's just yeah. he's going at him. He's the guy like he doesn't care. Yeah. Like he's the honey badger. He's the new honey badger, basically. He doesn't care. Uh, there are a lot of interesting characters. I know. I think I'm the only one in the room right now that's seen the episode. I, so. Hard Knocks is my, my favorite show on TV, but I had a rare opportunity to have social interaction last that's night. That's weird. I did that, and so I'll be watching it tonight. And I and I hate taking over the recaps. It's one of my favorite things we have all year, but Dan will not be with us, we believe, next week because of the arrival of his first child. So Boy, Hansis. So that's going to be exciting. Elvis? Yeah. I don't know. We cannot say what the name is yet. I've been told, sworn to secrecy, but boy, Hans, this is all I can tell you, and it will take me out of the picture for a little while, but I, I plan to return. I'm going to – let me – you don't have to tell me if I'm right or wrong, but you can kind of just look at me and let me know. Yeah. All right. For the kid's name. Uh-huh. Sanchez. <laughs> you know? <laughs> if this was 2009, it could have actually been a play. How about Sa- Sa- Sean Green? <laughs> Sanchez Hansis. That kind of has a ring to it. He'd be the second person that named ring. his son after a failed quarterback. Yes. <laughs> or Sessler named his son Colt after Colt McCoy. That You are a factory of sadness. You are talking about my child, TD. <laughs> Awkwardness. I love it. You know it. what? Unprofessional. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings quarterback competition is real and it's spectacular. Teddy Bridgewater to get first-team reps on Friday in the Vikings' preseason opener against the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Vikings coach Mike Zimmer made the announcement official with the quote, Teddy will get some reps with the first team. Yes, Uh, we have Matt Castle. We have Teddy Bridgewater. We've talked about it over the last couple of weeks. Who's going to come out on top? The room seems to think Teddy Bridgewater will, and it looks like he's going to have every opportunity to do it. Gentlemen. The way this has been going, I guess it's not a big surprise, but the Vikings did not plan to have Teddy Bridgewater taking starter snaps in the first preseason game. So because he's played so well in practice, they want to give him as good a chance as possible to win the job. 
I mean, again, they took him in the first round. They moved up to take him in the first round. Norv Turner, the question was, would it be a match with Norv Turner? Turner is the guy that I think lobbied behind the scenes to get him to Minnesota after working with him before the draft. He seems like a good fit. He's raving over Bridgewater. And I never, again, in the month of April or May, want to write a post or believe any message that tells me a quarterback's going to sit the entire mm. rookie year. It's nonsense. We fall for it every year. This guy's <laughs> well, going to be going to do it. He's going to play by it. week one. If he struggles in the, in the preseason, he won't By week start. one, you're saying it's over. I, he's got to go out there it. and really struggle. He, right? Do you agree? You think yeah, he's absolutely. Out there week one? I don't think any of these quarterback competitions have anything to do with the veterans. It's all on how the rookies play in the preseason games. Well, what if Bridgewater struggles, he won't be the starter week right. one. He's got to play so, well. So he has six quarters of time that he'll be actually be in the game before they make decision, maybe even less, maybe four quarters or so in the first two weeks, and they have to make a decision. Well, with Matt Castle, there's a chance that he's a bigger disaster than whatever struggles we're pitting on the rookie, too. Well, one thing I feel like we know about Matt Castle is he's at the very least a capable backup, and he's unlikely to be a disaster. That's why they brought him back, because they believed he could at least hold things down. I don't think they're in a disaster mode if uh, Teddy Bridgewater isn't ready. Well, we got these preseason games coming up this week. Bridgewater... To me and Manziel and maybe less of Geno, th- those are the main guys to watch this week because Bridgewater play two quarters. Manziel play half the game, and, and those snaps are going to go a long way towards determining what we see in week one. They will. I, John Middlecoff, former scout, tweeted last week that really preseason games are 85 to 90% of the uh, evaluation on quarterbacks, and practices are about 10% of the evaluation. Chicago Bears tight end Martellus Bennett uh, we saw him a lot during the summer on NFL AM when we were in the office. He appeared, I think he was like a regular on that show. Uh, everything seemed to be good. He's a jovial type. But there are some issues in, in Bears camp. His lackadaisical attitude has uh, reportedly rubbed some uh, officials within the organization the wrong way. And then on Monday, he threw Kyle Fuller down to the ground, their first-round pick, uh, a move that angered the team enough that GM Phil Emery announced that Bennett had been fined and suspended an undetermined amount of time for conduct detrimental to the team. Not good there for Martellus Bennett, who's in a weird spot with the team now. I think Wesleyan on Twitter yesterday put this very well. Not the type of conduct we would uh, see from a team of ATL. No, not at all. Ooh. We don't sanction that. It's too bad because that offense is pretty fun to watch, or it should be. Wait, are we, we're eliminating the Bears? Is it's just an, because... it's just a bullet point. It's not mm. something we would we would smile on necessarily. I don't really care that <laughs> he's a little lazy in practice and throws a guy over for a team of ATL. It's pretty minor. No, I was kidding about that. The, 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 debilitate, the debilitating factor is they have Jay Cutler as their quarterback. Oh, oh there we go. You we hit me with there. the dagger. We That's not there. so easily fixed. Well. It's apparently not just this one incident throwing Fuller. It's the fact that they try to run an up-tempo practice, and they're always waiting for Martellus Bennett to get to the snap. Imagine how annoying that would be. They're saying like 23 guys are running to get ready for the sec- next snap, and then they're waiting an extra three or four seconds, and I'm just imagining Bennett you know, strutting up there, thinking what you know, funny jokes he's going to say on NFL AM the following morning. <laughs> it's that, like, that would get frustrating. It's like Shaquille O'Neal, the Phoenix Suns years. <laughs> <laughs> they also there also was a report not verified that there was a previous altercation with Brandon Marshall during camp. So it was a couple of altercations and it's weird because he should be a leader on that team in terms of the money he's getting paid and and they need him with Marquez Wilson now out uh he got 
surgery this week. You know, they need Bennett to step up. Let's check in Cleveland where Johnny Manziel worked with the number ones, the first team this week. Uh, Mike Pettin announced that Brian Hoyer would be starting the opening preseason game, which is not a surprise, but Manziel could see some snaps with the first team on Saturday. Uh, As for Manziel's behavior, uh, some good promising signs, I guess, out of camp where one Browns player told Mike Freeman of Bleacher Report that, quote, none of us have seen the crazy Manziel. All we've seen is the professional Manziel. And then another line, he's the fastest learner I've ever been around. So... Mark, I'll send it to you, the resident Browns fan. That sounds pretty promising. Yeah, I think in that same piece, there were other players that suggested that Manziel is maybe not the right guy to start them off. And I, you know, and Wes pointed it out in what he wrote, too, that it, you don't have a quarterback competition if everyone, 100% of the locker room, thinks, no, no, this is the dude. I think there's that faction that looks at, look at Hoyer is a hardworking veteran who's been around the league and he's really been around the league, just hasn't played much. And then you got Manziel, who maybe the younger players are gravitating to. We, you know, it's, it's, again, the games will decide. I hate to beat a dead horse here, but it should be pointed out that these players, to a man, all said he's been the most studious Browns rookie. He's been totally 100% football since camp opened. So we don't need newspapers posting a photo of him in a tavern acting like he's not all about football. That, that's interesting. In this article, which I would recommend reading, played against everything you think about Manziel because it pointed that out, that he's had the right attitude, he's been studious, he's been smart, and what he hasn't been is exciting. A lot of people are, a lot of the teammates are kind of waiting for that Johnny football to come out, those wow plays. There was a quote in in here, just skill level, that he hasn't done anything to wow me. That was what a teammate said. And so those are the sort of plays, maybe they only come out in games but right now he's looked more like an ordinary quarterback. Charlie Catherly said it too. That when you watch Manziel in practice, he's not going to blow you over. No, totally agree with that. He's a game guy. That's when he will wow you. Not, I mean, you can't replicate game situations in a practice. It is August sixth, two thousand fourteen. This is going. I'm going to have a question for the room and TD West. You can sit this out. The question is: <laughs> Will Chris Wessling eat his softball pants? August 6th, we'll start with Mark Sessler. Yes he or no? will not eat them. Greg Rosenthal. He's got to be eating them. T-Day. <laughs> he will not eat them. Definitely not eat them. Dan Hansis. I think you're eating them. The, the room is divided. Is it 2-2? Is that what you just did? I cast the deciding vote, and I'm not eating them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Health-conscious But that, I mean, listen, it is, it is wide open right now. But wide that's, open, that, But that's why I think he won't. It is wide open. If, if they were going to decide today, he'd be in a whole lot of trouble because I think the coaches still would do the safe thing. But that's after a couple games. They're going to have no – you already hear Mike Pettin saying, oh, he's starting to look good. He's catching up. He won't be – What else did we fabric. hear, though, Greg? We heard someone say or a report that maybe he, he's not been looking that, that good this summer. Well, the article. Do you mind if we wait until football is played? Yeah, I think that's well, fair. Well, it's coming. Don't worry, but we can talk about what's okay. being reported on, right? Gotcha. But I just don't think that's it means what we much. do in this yeah. podcast. They, they, the teammates <laughs> said basically they're waiting for the Johnny football to come out and practice. They're waiting for some plays that you say, "Oh, wow, that's interesting." They haven't seen why this guy is so hyped yet. And we'll get a chance on Saturday. 
mm-hmm. on NFL Network. How's that mm. for a plug? Oh, oh give me a break. On, it's football. It's live. It's Johnny no, Manziel's first game. We've been honking. A, we've been honking attitude. about Johnny Manziel just talking about nothing for four months. You can't get excited for a game. The get shadowy league figure just snuck into the room and patted Greg on the head. <laughs> right. Gave him a lollipop and walked out. Okay, don't don't watch the live football that's on our network. <laughs> That, that'd be a terrible idea. Go. Also being constructed downstairs along with this studio, Greg's new shiny corner office that overlooks <laughs> Californian <laughs> landscapes. I like that. In Malibu. Um, all right, moving on. Speaking of Greg, let's talk about his boy, Ryan Tannehill, who is entering a really – I wouldn't call it a make-or-break year. That seems strong. But a very important year where we try to figure out what is Ryan Tannehill. There was a report that we, uh, we did, uh, an ATL, a Miami, Miami Herald report in which – uh, it was reported that Tannehill is continuing to struggle with his deep ball accuracy. This uh, with Mike Wallace, who's missing a lot of practice again with some hamstring issues, so that's not helping matters. Uh, I wrote a post this morning uh, where it broke down that he is among the NFL's worst percentage-wise deep ball throwers uh, last season. So th- that's a major part of his game that's got to get better. I, I'm going to ask Greg Rosenthal: Are you worried about the Ryan Tannehill experience as we enter year three? He's enigmatic right now. He's a bit of a mystery. And there was a great article that you pointed to about his deep ball passing. Grantland did a deep dive looking at the fact that he's really good, a top five quarterback, according to QBR numbers, since he entered the league when he's outside the pocket. And he's a bottom five quarterback when he's inside the pocket. And that, that's tough to win that way. And he struggles when he gets pressured, and you get pressured a lot in Miami. I'm a little worried. But I'm, I believe in his talent. I still think he'll have a good year. So he plays quarterback like a converted wide receiver? Oh. A little bit. He yeah. plays like a lot of athletic quarterbacks over the years that couldn't sustain success, that they do their stuff outside the pocket. That deep ball thing, I don't know if we should read too much into that. We know he has the arm. We know they have a deep threat. It's hard in football to kind of tear apart how much is that on him, how much is it on the offense, which is different this year. So it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, it's preseason, and and Wallace has a hamstring injury. I don't know that I'd be too worried about the deep ball. And, yeah, some of it's on the the offense that Mike Sherman rolled out last year and a line that was decimated, went through chaos. You know, when you're you're a young quarterback on the run all day long, uh, it's going to be hard to be productive in the pocket. I don't care who you are. You haven't even brought up – I can't believe we made it this long without Mark mentioning Bill Lazor. This is your chance. I think it is. But it's an offense that might take some of the heat off of him having to do – you know, as predictable a scheme, they're they're going to take Mike Wallace and move him all over the place. They said they've looked, they've had some growing pains on the practice field as a team. Mark, true or false? Your third child will be named Laser. <laughs> Laser Cess. Laser. You've already crossed the threshold that I'm having a third child. That in itself is a giant debate that does not fade, does not trend towards yes at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bill Barnwell in that Grantland piece had a good line that he feels like after 32 starts or, or whatever it's been for Tannehill that we know less about him than almost any quarterback that started their first two years. And I, I agree with that, that he could go in any direction and it wouldn't surprise me. And no one's talking about Tannehill or the Dolphins right now. They feel as off the radar to me, I tweeted about this, than any Dolphins team since Cam Cameron in 08 because you had Parcells. Then you had the end of Sperano, which was you know, dramatic. Jeff Ireland always got you know, fire Ireland. Then you have hard knocks. You have the bullying last year. Mike Wallace, all the free agent money. 
Now no one who cares about the Dolphins right now. No one no one's talking about that. Only had they traded right. for Sam Bradford at one point could they be less relevant to us. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And it does show you Tannehill shows you that uh, when you invest in a quarterback at the top of the first round, how d- damaging it could be potentially if you don't get it right because you have to invest years in that guy trying to figure out if he's the answer or not. The Rams are doing the same thing with Sam Bradford. Uh, the Titans are wrapping up their Jake Locker experiment. I mean, you have to get these things right or it just dooms you to irrelevance. When Mayock always called Tannehill a red shirt quarterback coming out of college. Now, I didn't think that that was necessarily played out to be true, but we still know nothing more about him. I love, I love watching him. He could have a Jay Cutler-like career where guys like me good? are still believing in him seven or eight wow. years from now where he does some good things, not others. I don't want this to go too long, but just around the room quickly. I've been thinking a lot about this this week. <laughs> Which AFC East team do you think – if, if it wasn't going to be the Patriots, which one could win the division? Or which one could challenge them the most? Out of those three teams, they're pretty even. I will excuse myself from this as a fan of an AFC East team, but I can tell you where my heart lies, and it's where Cumbie plays. I will leave it to <laughs> Wes and Mark Sessler. You are going to be surprised by this, Dan, but I think it is clearly the Jets. Whoa! Wow, I am surprised. They have, a, they have the have best goosebumps. defense in the league outside of the Patriots. Geno Smith has looked pretty good. If he doesn't work out, they can always turn to Vic. They have some interesting guys on offense this year. And I, I just don't trust E.J. Manuel one bit. The Dolphins are just blah. I'm with you. I, I want to really? go Buffalo because I think Buffalo's defense is extremely talented at many different layers, too. They lost Kiko. E.J. kills it for me. The Jets are the best coach team outside of New England in the division. I'm going New York. Good job, guys. I can't decide. That's why I asked. I really see them. You could make a strong case for all three of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait a couple weeks till we do our predictions. I can't make a strong case for the Bills. <laughs> I'm sorry, Patrick. I asked Crawley. the question. I don't have to answer it. Wait, the Bills how? lost too much on defense, including a great coordinator, and their yes, quarterback is the biggest question mark in the division. They're talented. Though. By the way, half our podcast did not answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> San Antonio Holmes is back on the NFL radar. NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reported that the free agent wide receiver, uh, who's been out of work since the Jets released him in March, worked out for the Chicago Bears on Tuesday. Uh, the Browns also have said had some interest in Holmes, according to two sources, with knowledge of the situation. He won't. It doesn't look like he'll be signing with the Bears. However, the, uh, Chicago signed Greg Hurd on Wednesday, which tells you that the Chicago Bears, when presented with the option of signing Santonio Holmes or Greg Hurd, they chose Greg Hurd. They chose a guy who does not even have a Roto World football blurb <laughs> over Santonio Holmes. Indictment. Can you blame them? Can you tell me something about Greg Hurd? He's from a small college, and he's a nice guy. Wait, what, what, we have an expert in-house on all matters of low-level NFL prospects. Mark Sessler, <laughs> your thoughts on Greg Hurd? Well, I know less about Hurd than uh, some of the other small guys as well, but he's got a little wiggle in the after-the-catch category. I think yeah. that's what they like about him. He's elusive. His injury history is clean. Hasn't suffered more than a minor injury years ago in a, in a, a nefarious college incident. So, <laughs> I wish you weren't a liar. <laughs> Are his hands also interesting? I'm not going to put him up there with uh, the gentleman we spoke about last Who is time. That again? <laughs> Wiggins. Oh! I wish you weren't a liar. I just no, had to thumb right, through my Rolo file here. Yes. I, you know, I've got a lot of information. <laughs> I love low-level scouting reports with Mark Sessler. We, we, we might need the 
theme song for that or something. <laughs> we do. We need a low-level scouting reports theme. What What happened to San Antonio Holmes? Is he not healthy? Is, well, is he was that... shot last year. He came back off that crazy foot injury, which was way more serious than anybody real, realized uh, in terms of the recovery, the Liz Frank. And then he wasn't the same guy. He wasn't moving well. Didn't seem particularly motivated. He caught about a third of the passes in his direction, which is horrible. Yeah. And he remains the only player – to my knowledge, ever kicked out of his own offensive huddle. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what, that's what it comes down to. Former Super Bowl MVP, of course, but he's a 30-year-old malcontent. Yeah, but 30 is not that old. Well, when you have a, a, only one working foot, then, you know, you have some mileage on you. Then so, you're Kaiser, Kaiser Sose trying to play wide receiver. So you're, you're a potential – you're a guy that's not who he used to be, and he's a potential locker room issue. I get it. What did you think, Mark, when you heard the Browns have some interest – in Mr. Holmes. It, it surprised me because it must have meant some sort of endorsement by Pettin, who, coming away from reading the Jets book we all read, Collision, I, I did not think that Pettin would smile on the idea of bringing Santonio Holmes around again. If Pettin was interested in Santonio Holmes, he would already be signed by the Browns. Well, unless they felt that they weren't as desperate for it until now, but yeah. And finally, Scott Mitchell, the former Detroit Lions quarterback... <laughs> Uh, will be on the newest season of NBC, NBC's reality show, The Biggest Loser. The big lefty is a very big lefty now. The he, portly portsider. He now clocks in at 366 pounds, and he's one of the contestants on the show. Uh, also on the show is another former NFL player, Damian Woody, an offensive lineman. But Scott Mitchell is the standout here, and I will be checking in on this program because of Scotty Mitchell. Does this mean we can use all of the Jared Lorenzen nicknames for Scott Mitchell now? <laughs> Nasty lefty. Quarter got back. Scott Mitchell. Was Pillsbury Throwboy. Also on the program, the top 10 lefties in NFL history somehow on NFL Network. Really? And, and while we're here. Not a lot of good lefties, I guess. While we're here, we have some breaking Lions news. We'll be quick about it. I know we got to move along. They have waived Jonathan Baldwin while we're sitting in the studios. He did not pass a physical. The Jonathan Baldwin era in Detroit is over. <laughs> Makes sense when we were seeing the, the Twitter reports. From the Niners beat guys, one which was that he was what? Oh, it was insanely lazy, moving like a what was it? There was like, like a man who had hadn't had much sleep, sleep deprived, sleep, sleep deprived <laughs> individual. Yeah. Jonathan Baldwin's Lions career already more memorable than his 49ers or Chiefs career. Wesling, today <laughs> you signed Baldwin or Santonio Holmes, sight unseen. Holmes. Mm. All right, let's move forward, gentlemen. Uh, we'll save the mailbag for last, so just so I can party with him. <laughs> <laughs> we will now go around the room and figure this out. The NFL has many prolific offenses or teams that have the potential to be prolific, but only one team can have the title of the most prolific offense in the NFL. Instant debate on NFL.com. You could read. You get the opinions of Wes and myself, Gil Brandt, Charlie Casserly, Adam Shine, and Damashek. Yes, so there are a lot of options there. Mark and Greg sat that one out. You didn't take part in this instant debate. Let's well, hear from them first. Was happening, yeah. So. I, yeah, no one told me about it. They only went to the Come heavy on, hitter. Player. What's, that? What's up with that? <laughs> so, yeah, why don't, we, why don't we check in? Uh, we'll talk with, to the boss first. Greg, who will have the most prolific offense in 2014? I never try to get cute with these questions. How is it? I don't know. How is it not Denver? It just seems like an obvious answer that I'm not going to think too hard about. Well, they're the most they're clearly prolific g- offense in NFL history last year, and I like on paper what they did in the offseason better than what they had. Do you like Emmanuel Sanders better than Eric Decker? 
you have been disrespecting Eric Decker for years, Racist. and I think it's I think it's absurd. I I just don't I don't want to overthink it. There's other great options that would be fun, but they if I had to put some money down that's not allowed here at the NFL. <laughs> how is the Broncos not the heavy favorite? The and I'm taking league, the favorite. The shadowy league figure just came back in the room and took the lollipop back from Brad right. and walked back. <laughs> Short lived. Yeah. Well, their quarterback is is going on age forty. They they're oh, all. Oh come on. He is. Is it thirty eight? Yeah, going on age forty. It's going on forty. Yeah. Right. Well, how many quarterbacks Cheating do you know who have not gotten worse as they got older? Peyton Manning is the only. There one. you go. So it's bound to happen eventually. We say that all the time. Well, you say, but you argue the same thing with Tom Brady the other way. Tom Brady's younger and has not lost anything on his fastball. Peyton Manning. You has. were the one last year that thought after one week or in the preseason or something, this is going to be the greatest offensive in, in Was NFL I right? history. You were right, and now they have great continuity just, coming back. They have Ryan Clady. Did all I just pro default to the 2012 best offense, or did I look at what a, a, t- a new team had done with what they had? I'm, I like the continuity. I like the continuity. <laughs> Damn, you get Clady back. They you, clearly are going to run the ball Thomas, more this Thomas, another year. year older. Demarius Thomas in the system. Why not? Monty Ball. Yeah, no, that's not too exciting. But well, they, they want to run the ball more. Yeah. I don't see Moreno. I saw Wes. I read what you wrote about. Uh, you mentioned, uh, I don't know where I read it, but you said that losing Sean Moreno would be an issue. But Monte Ball is probably enough. Probably on our right? website. I, I think it will Most likely. It will show up in the passing game a little bit. I said it on the podcast that that Moreno bailed Manning out quite a bit when he was the fifth option where no one else was open, and I don't know that he has that kind of trust in Monte Ball in the passing game. The best argument against the Broncos is the schedule. Just that four games against the mm. NFC West is going to hold them down a little bit. Good point. Mark, the most prolific offense. All right. I picked uh, the New Orleans Saints to win the Super Bowl a couple shows ago, but I don't think You're they're going to so have brave. the most. Well, I just wanted to point that out because uh, I have a feeling they'll be mentioned at some point in the show. But uh, – Eagles, I think they're going to continue on what they did last year. I think we've just started to see. Everyone says, oh, they've got tape on them now. Well, Kelly has another year of tape on the defenses he's facing. He's got another year of experience on how to prepare for week to week. Foles is better this season, potentially. They've added Jordan Matthews as a weapon is interesting. I'm going Philly based on just common sense the way Greg did. I don't think that was common sense, though. Well, it is for me. Nick Foles... Should be better is the part where I what's wonder their, why should he be better. What's that wide receiver situation too? Isn't that a little scary to think about when you're talking about the best offense in the league? Jordan Matthews is getting a lot of love. I know he's getting a lot of love, but you know that happens a lot with rookies. West is trying. What to, if Macklin doesn't bounce back? <laughs> you got a guy coming off an ACL. Cooper Riley Cooper's not that too exciting. Foles is really the only issue for me. I worry that he could regress. That his numbers last year were inflated. Greg would not take my sandwich proposition. I get Jordan Matthews. He gets the entire rest of the Eagles roster on receiving yards this year. I don't like that. I don't I, think I'd take that either. Yeah, I don't mm. want to be stuck rooting for Riley Cooper. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. And Macklin's coming off the torn ACL. Lead no, them. part of my proposition was to stick Greg with rooting for Riley Cooper. <laughs> Interesting. I don't want that. Greg refuses to root for Eric Decker and Riley Cooper. I'm taking notes right now. <laughs> a big Julian Edelman fan making the leap last year. How about that? And uh, as far as, as this side, as far as this side of the table goes, uh, Wes, I'll let you take it. We both d- believe that the New Orleans Saints, yeah. New Orleans, now Orleans Saints, <laughs> will put up monster numbers. Well, let me come at this from a couple of levels. If we talk common sense and who you know would be the obvious candidate. 
The Saints have led the league in total offense four of seven years that Breeze and Sean Payton have been together. They play in a dome, which is a reason why Drew Breeze has half of the 5,000-yard seasons in NFL history. But what else is going on here is the pendulum is kind of swinging back. Offense has got really good in the passing game, and then teams like the Seahawks started taking away what they do. All NFL teams – well, not all. NFL teams are starting to get really big at cornerback, and we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. And I think it's interesting what the Broncos and the Saints are doing this year. They're going to run more. Hmm. And I think defenses outside of cornerback are smaller and quicker at every single position. So offenses know they can run, and that's how you stop a team like the Seahawks. And really in New Orleans, they had gotten too predictable. Their running back skills didn't overlap. You have Darren Sproles on the field. Defenses know exactly what's coming. You have Mark Ingram on the field. Defenses know what's coming. You, you can't allow a defense to key on your play calling like that. And I think this year, Brandon Cooks is playing the Sproles role. So there's going to be a lot more different personnel packages you can go to. And the backfield isn't going to be nearly as easy to read. And I think Cooks is one of those guys like Percy Harvin comes in and takes the league by storm. They have so many weapons on offense. And I know no one else in the media will talk about this. Jimmy Graham, pre-planter fascia last year, a much different player than he was post-planter fascia. Should be back healthy this year. Well, how are we defining prolific, by the way? Yards or points? I asked that question Total offense. to the man that organized this, and he did not give me a straight answer. Wes? I thought points. That's how I put it. We can do points. It's points or it's yards. Yards Why are, are we deciding are this now? Well, yards are – I mean, I thought that's what we're talking about. It's though. all about scoring points. I guess either way, it's, it's the, Ch- sa- it's the chances same. Chances are the, the team with the most points will also have the most yards. I, I wrote that I believe that the Saints are a- average 30 Sessler points a game. needs some sleep. You know what? That's absurd. We come, like up with so, like, we come up with the ground rules hearted. after we've given our answer. Well, that's why I was, I was just curious. Wait, uh, do you change your answer now that we've uh, ripped yardage away from you? I'll give it another look and come back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure so what. So what the Eagles well, are going to have a bunch of empty off, calorie yeah, yards and not I, I don't think None of us agree that total yards is the best way to measure a best offense. We all know that, but if but that is how, in theory, that that's done. All right, yeah. then it is by yards. Right. Well, it is fine. yards. That's fine. It's harder to do if you're running all the time like the Saints. <laughs> I can't believe this upset you so much, Mark. Huh? We're going to know the answer you know by the end I'll of the year. It's going to be no, obvious. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to lay it out. Uh-oh. The Saints are my Super Bowl team, but I knew that Wes had prepared this <laughs> massive unfurling of facts, so I didn't want to say the Saints and take his uh, – Mark's Steam a away. Team player. So I went with Philly, which is not a bad choice, but I picked so the Saints to, to go the to the I, I well, the readership. So you're regretting your Eagles choice. Hey, I never did this debate. Oh, you never did it. That's I never true. did the debate. I lied to many listeners and I apologize, <laughs> but it was simply to not He was playing stocked into my Malone. Had we gone in a different order, I would have said correct. By the way, uh, we will be having our fantasy extravaganza at some point uh, before the start of the regular season. I just want to throw one out there since you mentioned Brandon Cooks, a guy this room believes will hit the ground running as a rookie. I will ask the experts, Greg Rosenthal, Chris Wesley. (laughs) Mark is here as well. (laughs) Brandon Cooks, where does he go? Where do you take him in a draft? I, w- <laughs> I haven't thought about fantasy yet. It's time to think about it. we got the extravaganza coming up. I wouldn't end up with him because I almost never take rookie wide receivers. It never that's pays a good off. They okay. always get overdrafted. I feel the same way. I'm just curious if he is an exception because I was, you're so high on him. I always asked this question on Twitter yesterday, 
in fantasy, who would you take, Jordan Matthews or Brandon Cooks? I'd take I think I think Cooks has a better impact as far as the Saints becoming an offense like the Broncos last year where you can't stop them. But from a fantasy perspective, I would take Jordan Matthews over, over Brandon Cooks. I wouldn't take Cooks probably until the ninth or tenth round, that mm. sort of value. So you wouldn't get him. And then I'm, I'm looking. As we're talking, we got some Wi-Fi up in here now. Ow! Brandon Cooks is being average taken uh, in the eighth round early. So I, would, early, I would go but. round seven with Cooks because he's going to surprise. You could use him as a flex guy. Depends on the half. league, too. PPR, you might take him. I mean, Bucky Brooks promised 70 receptions, right? If he does, if he goes seventy, a thousand and five, I mean, he's worth that and more. Right. And Mark and I, of course, have our interoffice fantasy team, Kate Mara. Well, I totally oh. am questioning why, outside <laughs> of the fact that I initially brought you in as a co-owner because yes. you weren't invited mm. into the league, yes. why you continue <laughs> you to keep invited? me on? I don't remember this. But. That's how it started because it was just who was sitting around a desk, <laughs> and we were just intern guys at that point. But why keep me on as a partner if I am? So I didn't un- say that you're not worthy as a fantasy guy, but we have some high-level geniuses of the craft. Not experts, though. We didn't. We do not use the word expert. There's no such thing as a fantasy football expert. That's ridiculous. All right. Also, one last thing on the best offenses. Okay. We should give Patrick's team some love. Who's that? The Lions. Oh, oh Kevin Patrick. That makes sense. They. Really? I thought last year, like the first few games of the season, we talked about this. I think Greg agreed with me on this. When you watched. Defense is trying to guard Calvin Johnson and Reggie Bush at the same time. They were having trouble. And then Bush kind of got injured. They had a lot of problems at receiver. But, they, you know, you can't triple Calvin Johnson when you've got Eric Ebron and Golden Tate. And then three running backs out of the backfield that can all catch 50 passes. They yep. even put Theo Riddick in the slot lately. They That's did. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and they also didn't have a coach, though, that coached a Baltimore Ravens offense to the worst – performance in team history worse than any Kyle Bowler offense but worse the than offense any, is, anything like that the offense is Joe Lombardi's from the Saints he's never first time coordinator Dan wants us right, to move scientists. on we got to move on <laughs> I mean, how did you not list? throw out the Packers at least Packers if you're gonna should throw be it in there too Jordy Cobb Lacey the best quarterback in the league Rodgers no that's true all right now you now you go Dan. <laughs> poor Dan there are readers that sent in questions, and okay. that's what I want to get to. It's, you know, it's about bringing them into the show. We had some great questions. The ATL mailbag has been opened up. So let's start with Marcel Fondock. Marcel Fondock, who asks, what is the team that might go from first to worst in a division this year? Most likely. I have three candidates. All right. You got to pick one, though, Wes. Okay. Uh, the Panthers were the first team I, t- I thought of. The 49ers, because Greg has been oh, kind of on this point. Oh, oh no, first, they were second. They, it was yeah. first to worst was the question? First, first to worst. To worst. Bad, right. bad listening comprehension. I'm going to say the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I don't see where you go beyond Cincinnati and Carolina. I'll, I'll go Carolina. Yeah, it's hard to see Indianapolis falling, even though I don't really think they're that great. I would go with Carolina. Because that division, I think Tampa Bay, all those teams, it wouldn't surprise you if they were over 500, and it wouldn't surprise me if Carolina was under 500. Well, it could be a game separating. I mean, it, you know. Yeah. Carolina could fall off pretty hardcore. How about the Philadelphia Eagles? 
Chip Kelly hits one too many genius buttons, the whole thing goes up in flames. <laughs> that would be, honestly, my third pick after Carolina. You're counting Cincinnati. on Dallas being a surprisingly good football team. Yeah, the would... Giants, uh, actually, I kind of see somebody, a team that could actually do something. I hate that or division the because everyone's just going to pick the same teams to win the divisions again this year, except for, okay, everyone will slot out Cincinnati. They'll put in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, a couple pe- – there's not going to be many surprises. I want to pick a surprise in the NFC East, and – the Cowboys, Washington Giants, and Redskins, they can't – I don't know. I can't well, you hate the Redskins, so you can't make that call. Yeah, that's <laughs> my bias. The Redskins probably are the friskiest. I don't know. There's another. Here's another question. This one also about the NFC East. If Nick Foles and Tony Romo got injured and Brandon Whedon and Mark Sanchez are playing for a playoff spot, who wins? Sanchez. That's from James Tidwell. Sanchez coached by Chip Kelly? Yep. Yeah, I'll take that. He's already looked very good in camp. Sanchez has had some really good moments as an NFL quarterback. Brandon Whedon, not so good. I'd like it to be Brandon Whedon just to look at Mark's reaction as this was happening. Brandon Whedon leading the Cowboys would really be revolting to you, I feel I'm, like. By the way, the last Browns quarterback to get jettisoned by the team and lead the Cowboys to a, the playoffs? Bernie Kosar. <laughs> In spot duty. Like his one start? With the Cowboys? He helped them in the NFC Championship. I would be really torn there because, of course, I had a lot invested in Brandon Whedon last year as a first-team All-Pro uh, selection. <laughs> and uh, Mark Sanchez will always have a, a spot in my heart for what he did or what the teams did that he was on in the beginning of his Jets career. Uh, but I think Sanchez probably is the better bet. He's a better quarterback. Moving forward. <laughs> He's got to beat out Matt Barkley. Supposedly was looking buff. At Eagles camp. That's a clown. If Brian Hoyer starts game one, will Chris Wessling's meal of softball pants be captured on video? This from at Greaves. Mm. Obviously. Sure. Yeah. We planned on that last year if the Raiders won six games that we would put it on video and have it a catered affair and make a gala out of it. FYI, that's why we built out the studio. <laughs> so we can have it on video. So, Like, Wes, you, if this does, hap- does break against you and it is Hoyer in week one, um, are you? You're going to eat some softball pants, right? Yeah, I mean, I haven't allowed my mind to go there yet because it's not <laughs> going to happen. But yeah, if okay, if it if it were to happen, if um, what kind of question is that? No, because he can't, can't back off. I thought there was at some point there were some whispers that Wes wasn't going to go with it. We had a, a party at my house over the weekend, and the softball pants made an appearance, were captured on on photo, <laughs> and may be seen online. I mean, they exist and they will be eaten. All right, good. Moving forward. This, I couldn't figure this question out, but I just want to run it by you from uh, at Darth Luna. What would the ATL-themed board game be like? I don't know. Does anybody else? that make sense to anybody else? They still make board games? This yeah. goes back to Greg's eight, what would you do in 1840 thing. This is what people had to do for entertainment in 1840, <laughs> play board games. That I, might even been pre-board game. I think it would have a shoots and ladders-centric uh, feel to it. A lot of, you know, you think you're getting somewhere, then you're not, then you are, then you aren't. <laughs> Lots of ups and downs. There'd be a little section of the game where you, you know, pretend you're Mark Sessler and you pick which NFL players are going to get injured that year. Well, I like that. You're like picking them off. And then like also like uh, even if you win, it ultimately means nothing. But that makes it much more like Candyland where there were a lot of different zones where you could could be like Monopoly or something like that. You, You know, you landed on jail. You have to go. You had a Sessler. You got injured. You have to go back to do not collect $200. I have a lot of Hansus sound effects. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one's from at John McFarland. 
if they made a boyhood-style movie about one of the ATL writers, which writer would make for the best movie? Sessler. I was my first instinct as well. I would think anyone, to be honest. Wesling would be. You're talking about a guy that grew up with with six brothers and was a mailman. Mm, that's true. Well, but it's boyhood, so we're only thinking like age five to twenty or something, or eighteen. Yeah. I, I unbelievable movie, by the way, for anyone. Yeah. That has How about this? The movie was two hours and fifty minutes long. Let's subject the viewers to four of these. All four of us are portrayed. How about TD? Like Nigeria? I like that. That's true. Yeah. He, a period where he's at school and all the women and young girls are calling him Young Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> that, seems, that seems to be a nice hook for a movie to make some money. Veering into fiction. <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, this is from Darian at Pool Mood. What do we have to do to get the toaster back from Greg? <laughs> That's easy. It's a good question. I know what we have to do. Well, one of one of our bosses, John Marvel, has been threatening to come on the show for a while to set the record straight. But as far as I've heard, I don't have to put that toaster up for the first six months. And so I'm not in any hurry. I've been going around the world enjoying my victory <laughs> tour. I show the toaster. Eating your way out of pants like James Buster Douglas I did. show the toaster to Wes every once in a while. And everyone's talking. It's cruel. I'm getting a lot of tweets about when is the Wes you know, rematch. You know, when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson, he didn't immediately sign up for a rematch. Why can't I get some of the tomato cans that Wesseling always was going against? 6 one for a little while. It's a I didn't line those people up. Gold Standard did, and some of them did quite well. It took a year for you to have to go to have to get a that's, matchup against. That's not true. Against another employee, Marvel, Marvel is going to bring this to yeah. a close real fast. Yeah. Marvel will make an appearance like Steinbrenner on Seinfeld. Put it this way: this six-month thing that you think you're working with, you'll be lucky if you get three, because Marvel is asking for it. I'm, I'm just enjoying it, and your boss. <laughs> I've got all I gotta say is I got the toaster. And with the toaster comes power. If you guys well, cross, you guys cross me. Oh, maybe I only get one question right against you know Johnny Franklin in Toledo. <laughs> bye bye toaster. <laughs> bye bye game. Uh, you do have power. Well, then Johnny Franklin will have to be a recurring guest, and he'll have to defend it against us. All right, <laughs> one more. Well, we'll close with this. This one is actually not quite a reader question, but it was something Damashek rolled in with into the newsroom. Uh, but right before we went up to the podcast studio today, uh, what is the best Michael Jackson song? And the reason this came up is because uh, – TD's already excited. The reason this came up is because Dave asked Willie McGinnis this question uh, in the green room at NFL Network Studios. And without missing a beat, Willie goes, remember the time. What? <laughs> a middling early 90s R&B number <laughs> off the dangerous. I think it must album. have had personal meaning in McGinnis' development in life. I, I, you, can't, you can't knock him for that. Yeah. Perhaps. Remember the time Willie McGinnis had four and a half sacks in a playoff game? That was go. awesome. I didn't, I didn't get what you did there. <laughs> I didn't follow that. Uh, the answer, obviously, is Billie Jean, in my opinion. That it would is, be in my top three. The greatest song of the 80s. Forget about it. Just the what? Michael Jackson song. Oh, come on. What's your, Wesley? Your I said Smooth one? Criminal down in the office when we talked about this, but I have since thought on the way up here, off his first album, 19, early 1970s, got to be there. Great song. Yeah, but the best song? Yeah, I, I, I think I would take, like if I had to listen to one Michael Jackson song. TV that would wants to chime in, clearly. Come on. 
Guys, it's got to be Billie Jean. That's, I mean, that's like his, that's a signature track. If you have a Michael Jackson theme or whatever is going on, Billie Jean's the first song playing. But, I mean, it's MJ. He has a catalog of like 20 that he could put up there. If we were having this debate in 1988, everyone would say Thriller. The song Thriller? It hasn't, hold, it hasn't held up as Anybody well. Anybody that says Thriller, and I saw somebody on Twitter say that, you grow up, Peter Pan. You know, that's it's like a, it's a kid's You song. just told Gold Standard to grow up. Well, Thriller has, video, Thriller has the best video, right? Yeah. It's not the best song. I went with Wannabe Star and something. Very I solid. think it's that's a good one. extremely solid. And uh, bottom line, in my household, I was the same age as Wes. Michael Jackson took over life. That yeah. album took over life. My brother had a Michael Jackson doll. This is right around 83, <laughs> 84, right wow. when pop culture starts to take over America. Pac-Man, uh, Cabbage Patch Kids. I mean, everything is a big pop culture thing right around this and time. And it was the fusion of right when, like, Jordan went to Nike. That's when you had Michael Jackson yeah. go to, was it Pepsi? I don't even remember. But he yeah. caught his hair on fire. Caught his I hair mean, on the whole fire. thing, everything he did was huge. He started something. Want to be starting something. Ow! <laughs> and now you have Johnny Manziel, who's the MJ of the modern-day NFL. Full circle. Um, any other thoughts on MJ? Did Greg say his? Smooth Criminal was the first one that came to mind, but they had that awful. There was an awful remake of it. Oh, by cover Alien, song of it. Alien you know Ant. What I'm talking about? Alien Ant Farm. Wasn't that oh, the name? yes. That yeah. sort of ruined it for me. So. That yeah. was pretty bad. I, it wasn't interesting. I was just gonna say Billie Jean too. Okay, so that's it uh, for this edition of the Around the League podcast. Thank you for everyone that sent in questions. Anybody who did send in questions and didn't get on the show, you know, don't take it personal. Life is filled with disappointments. Maybe next time. Uh, We will be back. What is today, Wednesday? We'll be back on Friday with the third and final show of the week. We'll be reacting off, uh, obviously, some preseason games that will be played on Thursday night. Some uh, Geno action Thursday some night. Geno mm. action. We're going to have uh, Pro Football Focus in the house. Ah, we're going to have a, a gentleman from the website Pro Football Focus who's going to talk about uh, some advanced of advanced metrics. Advanced metrics that seems uh, to be all the rage in society these days. Uh, so until then, this is Dan Hansen signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, and TD behind the glass. Until Friday. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. 
With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.